If you're glad to be here, say amen. Hey, I am glad you're here too. Let me just go ahead and say happy Mother's Day. I'm so thankful for mothers. I praise God for all the mothers in my life. I got more mothers you can shake a stick at. I got mother-in-laws, mother-outlaws, mother-uplaws, down-laws, here-law, there-law, everywhere-law-law. Law. I mean, they're all over the place. Thank God for mamas. Amen. But you only got one mama that birthed you. Only got one. And I thank God for my mama. She may be watching today. Bless her heart. She's got pneumonia. She's unable to be with me today. Uh, but I think she's watching via internet. Mama, I'll tell you, I love you. I'm so grateful for you, and I thank God for you. Thank God for mamas. If you have your Bibles this morning, let me ask you to join me in Exodus chapter number 2. Exodus chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. I want to preach a message that I've entitled, The Woman Moses Called Mother, or Mom. The Woman That Moses Called Mom. Exodus chapter number 2. We want to read uh, verses 1 through 10. Now, we know, we know that uh, Moses' mother's name was Jochebed. We don't see that here in this passage of Scripture. Uh, she doesn't mention her name until chapter number 6, and we'll see that here in just a few moments. But we know who Moses' mother was. Fascinating woman, fascinating. So if you found your place in Exodus chapter 2, if you're able to stand, would you please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word? Exodus chapter number 2. Let's read the first 10 verses together. You follow along while I read this morning. And there went a man of the house of Levi and took to wife a daughter of Levi. And the woman conceived and bare a son. And when she saw he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. And we should, when, she should, excuse me, when she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch. Let me say something parenthetically. I'm so glad the Bible uses the word daubed, amen. You, did, you put a little daub here and a little daub there, a little daub will do you. Look at what he says there. He says, and he put the child, and she put the child therein, in verse 3, and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. And his sister stood afar off to wit what would be done to him. That's just like a sister, verse 5. And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself in the river with her maidens. And they walked along by the river's side. And when she saw the ark among the flags, she sent her maid to fetch it. And when she had opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then said the sister of Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go call to thee a nurse of the Hebrew women, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. And the maiden went and called the child's mother. And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I will give thee thy wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. And the child grew, and she brought, it unto, brought, it, brought him unto Pharaoh's daughter. And he became her son, and she called his name Moses. And she said, Because I drew him out of the water. You may be seated for prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would take this uh, message that's on paper, and God, that you would just uh, speak to our hearts with it. Lord, the last thing we need is just another sermon. I pray we'd get a message from the very heart of God, the very throne room of God. Lord, this Mother's Day, I pray for those mothers that are here that maybe this is their first Mother's Day without their mother. I pray for them. Lord, I also know that there's some dear, sweet ladies here that desire to be mothers. And Lord, I pray, Heavenly Father, that you would answer their request. 
I pray that you would open their womb, Lord Jesus, and that you would give unto them children. And Lord, I pray, Father, whether you do it by adoption or opening the womb, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you'd give them the desires of their heart. God, I thank you for Mother's Day. I'm thankful, Lord, that we can set aside a day to honor our mothers. We should honor our mothers. Lord, all the jobs that they do. God, I'm very grateful, Lord, for my mom. I pray for every mom that's here. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen their hearts. Give them a good day today. I pray, Father, that uh, they would be honored. We love you and pray now for this message that you would anoint it. And God just asks for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Mothers are so thoughtful. They are thoughtful uh, creations of God. And they're always taking care of their children. And they're always answering their questions. Mama, 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 mama. Oh, my stars. Mama, we've got five of them. So I bet we've heard the word mama a gazillion times. Y'all heard about the little boy, though, that was in church. who was standing by his mama. He was standing in the uh, seat there. And they were singing uh, as a, a hymn. And the little boy tugged on his mama's dress and said, Mama, mama, what is this lady beside me singing? And the mama listened. She said, well, son, uh, she's singing alto. Alto, that's what she's singing, alto. She, and he blurted out real loud, Well, no wonder she sounds so bad. All the rest of us are singing Amazing Grace. <laughs> Dwight L. Moody, the famous evangelist, declared, All that I have ever accomplished in life, I owe to my mother. Howard Johnson wrote a song, and I bet we, every one of us have sung it at one point in our life growing up, and it goes like this. M is for the million things she gave me. O means only that she's growing old. T is for the tears she said to save me. H is for the heart of purest gold. E is for her eyes with love light shining. R means right, and right she'll always be. Put them all together, they spell mother, a word that means the world to me. One of the greatest examples of mothers in the Word of God is found in the Old Testament by a woman by the name of Jochebed. We find her story in Exodus chapter 2. We don't see her name until Exodus chapter 6 in verse 20 where we see that Aram or Amram took unto him Jochebed to wife and she bare him Aaron and Moses. I want us to use Jochebed as an example this morning for every mother. She was the mother of Moses. And through her life we see that God moved in an amazing way. Can I show you three things about this little narrative in the Word of God in the Old Testament that I hope will be an encouragement to all the mothers that are here today, all the future mothers that are here, and maybe all the mothers uh, that have had mothers go on to, to be with the Lord in heaven. Number one, the first thing I want you to notice in this text is I want you to see a hidden celebration. There is a hidden celebration. The first few verses of Exodus chapter 2 indicate that Jochebed was like any new mother. The first few hours were nothing but thrilling celebration. Oh, can you imagine when this child came into the world? The Bible tells us that two things about this child coming into the world and the celebration that we see in Jochebed's life. Number one, the first thing I want you to see is the rejoicing in her home. The rejoicing in her home. Anytime a child comes home, oh, there is rejoicing that takes place. Look at what the Bible says in verse number 2. The Bible says, And the woman conceived and bare a son, and when she saw him that he was a goodly child, she hid him three months. Say, so where in the world do you get the rejoicing in that? Oh, pay close attention to the Word of God. Notice it again. The Bible says, And the woman 
conceived. There's our first indication. And bear a son. There's our second indication. Oh, dear friend, there are two things here that we see that we cannot overlook. And that is the fact that there were rejoicing in the home, and there was rejoicing because she conceived and bare a son. You see, in the Jewish home, there was great rejoicing when a male child was born. On one hand, you had the desire that the name be carried on. On the other hand, you had the desire of a son to be given, so to know that the woman was not barren. Oh, listen to me, dear friend. I was born on February 7th. 1974. I was supposed to be born Dustin Shane Osborne, but instead I was, my grandmother said I was going to be born Dustin Shane Copeland, but my daddy said I'm going to be born Dustin Shane Robertson. I'm telling you what, I got more mamas than I can shake a stick at. I'm not lying to you when I say I got a gazillion of them. I really, really do. Now, many of you know my story. I was adopted. The man who didn't know me, didn't know who I was, he never met me before a day in my life, told my mother at 15 years of age, I'm going to love that boy and I'm going to be that daddy. My biological father is a man by the name of Osborne. I was able to spend some time with him this week. Oh, I look just like him. I can't help it. I've got a lot of his character qualities and I, I got a lot of things about me and he never even raised me. I can't help it. I just am who I am and who I am is a direct result of who he is. Dear friend, I came from him. I came from his loins uh, is what the Bible says. And so he is uh, my father. He is the one that brought me into this world with my mother. Then again, I've got my uh, grandmother whose last name is Copeland. I've got an uncle whose name is Copeland and, and his name is William T. Copeland. I was supposed to go live with him after I was born, but my sweet 15-year-old mom took a stand and said, no, this is my baby. I'm going to raise him. I'm going to keep him. I'm going to be the one that teaches him. And so she did at 15 years of age. I don't know why I've got this twitch in my neck, but it could be because a 15-year-old raised me. I don't know. But the bottom line is just simply this. She loved me. She cared for me. She watched out for me. But my last name's not Copeland. My last name is Robertson. You see, my mom and dad met when uh, they were just known each other for three months. Uh, not, not much after three, uh, three to six months, and they got married. They concocted this story that Robbie Robertson was really my biological father, which he was not. And so when I was born, he was there in the hospital, and uh, he put his name on my birth certificate. Dear friend, I carry on the legacy of the Robertson family because he put his name on my birth certificate. I'm so grateful to be a Robertson. I thank God that I'm a Robertson. God put me in the home that he wanted me to be raised in. Oh, and my mama says when I came home, there was a tremendous amount of rejoicing that happened during that day. She said, we brought you home, Shane, and I'm telling you what, everything was just dandy. It was wonderful. There was joy in the home. Isn't it amazing how that a child, when it comes into the home, there's unspeakable joy that comes to that home. It can light up the most dismal, the most dark, the most depressing home. There's nothing like the joy and laughter and happiness that children bring to the home until they can talk. Can I get a witness? I heard a mama tell her son one day at church, she was bent down on one knee, and she had the child right like this, and she said, she said, son, listen to me. I don't care if the basement walls are cracking. you got to stop telling people you come from a broken home. <laughs> Children bring great joy. There was a rejoicing in Moses' home. Number two, not only was there rejoicing in the home, there was also a recognition in her heart. There was a recognition in our heart. Look at verse number 2 again. The Bible says that when she saw the child was a goodly child. 
that she hid him three months. You see, the birth of Jochebed's son was no ordinary birth. In fact, it was an extraordinary birth. Uh, the Bible tells us that word goodly there, when you see that word goodly, I would mark it and underline it if you would, because it is often translated handsome. However, it goes beyond just the physical appearance. As a matter of fact, what the word in its root means is one that is prosperous or to have prosperity or to have good favor upon the child. What it just simply is saying, in other words, is that when Jochebed looked at her son, it seems that she recognized that there was something special about this child, that the grace of God rested upon this child, and she recognized it to the capacity that said that this child, there's something special about this child. There's something amazing about this child. I'll never forget as long as I live. I think I might have shared this uh, last Mother's Day with you, but when I was young, I I can't remember much of this. I do remember uh, getting scolded for this. Uh, which was normally what happened in my life as a young man or a young boy. But I can remember being in church in a service just like this. Uh, we, I was sitting with my mom about on the second row. I don't know why my mother let me sit on the outside, but I can remember sitting on the outside when all of a sudden I jumped up out of the seat, and it was a Southern Baptist church, so you talk about heads turning. Heads were turning when this happened. I jumped up out of the seat as a little boy, maybe five or six years old, and I ran down the aisle out the back door. I didn't come to the front where the preacher was. I ran out the back door. My mother looked at me and said, He gone and jumped up and ran after me. And she caught me in the parking lot. I was running to a set of apartments. I had a grandmother that lived in those apartments. I was going to run to her house. My mother stopped me and she said, Son, what's wrong with you? Where are you going? And I looked up at her and I said, I heard him. He was speaking to me. I heard his voice. I heard his voice. said, Whose voice did you hear, Shane? And I pointed up to heaven. She said, you heard God's voice? I said, I heard him talk to me, Mama, and it scared me, and I want to go to Grandmama's house. Oh, dear friend, little did I know that at that moment in time, what God was doing was calling me to be saved. He was calling me to receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior and Lord. Oh, I'm telling you, thank God for His grace, and the grace of God not only applied to Moses' life, but it replies to every child that's born. I love what the book of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23. In Hebrews eleven twenty three, 23, speaking of Moses, the Bible says that he was a proper child. He was a proper child. The word proper in Hebrews eleven twenty three 23 means that he was exceedingly favored. In other words, this mother's heart recognized the fact that this rich, favorable, exceedingly favorable God had rested upon him his grace and had called him to do something great with his life. A little third grade boy came home from school one day with a note. And on that note, the teacher had wrote this, and I quote, this is a true story, by the way. Teaching your son is an impossible task. He will not listen. He will not obey. He is filled with hostility. I doubt he will ever grow up to amount to anything. The mother wrote back to the teacher and said, Dear teacher, that's fine. I will teach my son at home by myself. That boy was none other than Thomas Edison. Oh, I'm telling you what, those little rambunctious boys that can't seem to sit still, that run to and fro, that that talk in church and, and, and seem to cause so much trouble, Boudreaux, oh, listen, the fact of the matter is God can use them to see people saved. Man, I, how many of you remember Michael Reynolds when he was little? He didn't know I was going to throw him under the bus today. I didn't either. Bless God, but it's coming to my mind. 
I wonder how many times Michael got whippings and spankings in, in the church, been brought out of the church. Oh, I'm telling you what, there was so many. I get so tickled hearing the stories. Oh, I get tickled. When he went, walked out of church one day, he was asking y'all to pray for him. Pray for me, pray for me, I need help. Somebody pray for me as his mama took him out back because he had been acting up in church. Today, listen to me, today he runs this ministry, the, this uh, refuge archery ministry. Had people saved yesterday, 25 souls give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, loving God. Thank God for the rambunctious little boys that grow up to love God with all of their heart. Amen? We find that in the heart of every mother is a radiant hope that our children will someday be influential in society. Every mother looks through the window of anticipation and dreams great dreams for her children. There's no doubt every mother, even here in this room today, dream dreams about your children. Maybe you dream that they'll be a doctor or a lawyer or a policeman or a fireman or a preacher or somebody that'll share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Whatever the case may be, when you think about what God's doing in their, in their life, you know that there's bigger and better and greater days ahead for them if they'll just learn how to sleep through the night. It would have been no different for Jochebed. She would have felt the same way. When she looked down at this sweet little baby and saw that he was goodly and proper, she recognized the fact that God had providentially given her an extraordinary son. And there was a hidden celebration. But let me show you a second thing. The second thing we see here in the text is a willing consecration. A willing consecration. That is, Jochebed willingly dedicated herself to God. We see this in Exodus chapter 2. Now remember, Exodus chapter 2 represents a very dark day in the land of Egypt. Uh, God had wonderfully provided Jochebed with a son. However, her rejoicing had to be hidden. And the hidden rejoicing that she had to celebrate was because of a decree that came from the Pharaoh. And that decree that came down just simply said this. The children of Israel are multiplying faster than we can shake a stick at. They're like a, like a box full of rabbits. we got to stop it. we got to end it. So every male child that's born, we want to put that child to death, no questions asked. As a matter of fact, they got the midwives together, and they said, when, you, when you're getting that child, and when that child is birthed, if it's a male child, we want you to put it to death right there. I want you to notice chapter 1. Look at Exodus chapter number 1. Uh, the Bible says uh, here in, in verse number 17, but the midwives feared God. I'm going to tell you why. We need some more doctors that fear the Lord. Amen. I mean that fear God. It says that, but the midwives feared God. And they did not as the king of Egypt commanded, but they saved the men children alive. Oh, dear friend, thank God that there's some doctors out there that love life and that thank God for life to the capacity that they've willingly consecrated themselves to God. And they said, life is given to us by God and we're not going to end that life until God is ready to take that life. We find here in the text this willing consecration that came from these women. But we also see it coming from Jochebed. Jochebed, this sweet mother, was faced with probably one of the most important decisions of her life. Would she flee and run away, risking her own life and death if she was caught with that baby boy? Or, or... Would she willingly consecrate herself to God to the capacity that she would give her child to God and let God take care of that child? I want you to notice two things that she did. Number one, the first thing that she did is she turned to God. 
She turned to God. Once Pharaoh's order was given out, Jochebed hid her son for three months. And those three months we find there in verse number 3, when she could no longer hide him, the Bible says, she took for him an ark of bulrushes. Now, if you have your pen, pencil, lipstick, or mascara, whatever it is you use to write with, I would underline that word bulrushes. That's a fun word to say, but it's a very common word uh, there in the Word of God. It was a common sight on the banks of the ancient rivers there in Egypt. It was so common that it wasn't uh, anything to see uh, these bulrushes, if you would, grow to be about 15 feet or more all over the place. They were papyrus reeds that were used to make mats. They were made out of bat. Baskets were made out of them. Ropes were made out of these things. Sheets and even paper. As a matter of fact, the Hebrew word for bulrush is a word that gives us the meaning to be willing. Bulrushes means to be willing. Now that's a fitting word we find in the Word of God because it describes Jochebed's willingness to turn her son over to God for provision, for protection, from, for Almighty God to reach down and through His sovereignty protect her son. So her son's protection was now completely out of her hands. She had done all that she could do for him. She had nursed him. She had nurtured him. She had comforted him. She had cradled him. She had pampered him. She had protected him. However, now it was time to turn him over to the Lord and ask God to protect him. Can you imagine turning a three-month-old baby over to God for protection? I'm going to be honest with you. That's something we ought to do right when they're born. We ought not wait three months to turn them over to God. We ought to do it Immediately. Can I ask you a question, moms? Have you turned your son or daughter over to the Lord? Maybe you have a son or a daughter that's away from God. Have you done, and you've done everything that you possibly know to do to try to help teach them and train them, but they're still wayward. You know, we often talk about uh, uh, there comes a time in our lives when we've got to let them go, where we've got to turn them loose. But might I say this? Why not instead of turning our children loose, why don't we turn them over to God? He's the one that can do what we cannot do. She turned Moses over to God. She turns to God. Number two, let me show you a second thing she does. The second thing we see is that she trusts in God. It's one thing to turn something over to God. It's completely different to trust God for that thing you've turned over to Him. That means you can't take it back. You can turn it over to him all day long, but it's bad when you take it back. Uh, dear friend, we find here that Alexander McLaren said of Jacobed's faith, her faith was so alive, her faith was so living, her faith was so daring, it had such confidence in God's grace, it had it to the point that she could have staked her whole life on it a thousand times. She knew this, and when she put that baby in that little bulrush basket that she made and took her hands off of that baby Moses, she said, God's going to take care of him and I'm not going to pick him back up. I'm not going to let him go. I'm just going to let him go. I'm not going to pick him back up and draw him back to my side. I'm going to let God take care of that child. Oh, dear friend, can you get the picture? Jochebed had enjoyed her son for three wonderful months. A death sentence, a death warrant had been signed into law, killing all the Hebrew males. And knowing the matter was now completely out of her hands, she turned over to God and trusts God to take care of her son. 
Oh, look at what the Bible says in verse number 3, dear friend. When she could no longer hide him, she took for him an ark of bulrushes and daubed it with slime and with pitch and put the child therein and she laid it in the flags by the river's brink. Now let me show you something right here that I thought to be fascinating. The Bible tells us that she put pitch. You see it there in the text. I would underline it. The word pitch uh, could be understood as asphalt or even tar. It's often used in the Word of God to mean a covering. You'll remember that Noah spread pitch on the inside and outside of the ark. However, the word pitch in the Old Testament is translated 70 times. And those 70 times by which it is translated, it's translated atonement. Atonement. Now that's important. Why? Because pitch was a picture of the foreshadowing of the atoning work of Jesus Christ. And so when she spread this pitch over this uh, basket that she had, wo- had woven, she is giving us an example of an atoning, of a covering, if you will. By placing the pitch in the basket of willingness, Jochebed demonstrated her trust in God for the protection of her son. The pitch represented her undaunted, unchallenged, and unmovable faith in God. And by dabbing the basket with pitch, in essence what she was doing was covering her son, if you would, with the atonement of God. God trusted her enough to give her a boy. Now she trusted God enough to take care of him. Oh, dear friend, listen to me very carefully uh, this morning. The government of Egypt said that the boy would die. But the government of heaven said, if you'll turn him over to me, I'll make sure he lives. Jochebed trusted God with what she had. Uh, This should teach us, mothers, that we should let God have everything that we own. The truth of the matter is that God can only use what we turn over to Him. You think about that. God can only use what we turn over to Him. If we trust Him with our finances, He will supply all of our needs according to the riches of His glory. If we trust in Him with our future, He will order our steps and lead us in the paths of righteousness sake. If we trust Him with our family, He will make our home a shining example of grace, love, and mercy. As you know, Moses will grow up to be the prince of Egypt. As a matter of fact, I find Moses' life so fascinating because he is, the, he is found not only in the Old Testament, but in many Bible passages in the New. Passages like Acts chapter 7, verse 22, when it speaks of Moses. That Moses was a learned in all wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. Moses went on to be the commander-in-chief of the nation of Israel. Moses went on to become one of the world's, or the one that would lead the children of Israel out of Egyptian bondage. He would be the one to be in Hebrews, one of the all-time great hall of fames that God called his name. Oh, dear friend, thank God for Moses, but thank God for a mother that taught him how to put his trust in God himself. Well, I think about that story of four preachers. They were talking one day... They were discussing the merits of the various translations of the Word of God. And one of them said, well, you know what? I like the King James Version. I like the King James because of its beautiful language. Another said, well, I'm going to tell you what right now. I like the NASB. I like that because it seems to be a more literal uh, language, if you would. And another one said, well, you know what I like? I like Moffat's translation best because I just like its vocabulary. And finally, the one man that was silent looked around the room and they finally asked him, they said, Bob, let me ask you this. Uh, what's, the, what's your favorite? In your opinion, which translation do you like the best? He thought for a minute and he said, I'm going to be honest with you. 
I like my mother's translation the best. Mother translated the Bible into everyday language, everyday life, and she's still the most convincing translation that I've ever seen. Mom, let me ask you a question this morning. Do your children see in you a living translation of the Word of God? Do your children see what you profess on Sunday is exactly what you uh, practice on Monday? Do your children see you turning to God and trusting in God? We see here in Jochebed's life a willing consecration. She willingly gave herself to God. And then let me show you the third thing, and I'm done. This is it for Mother's Day. The third thing I want you to see is a chilling confirmation. A chilling confirmation. Uh, Preacher G. Campbell Morgan said the Nile River was known as the river of death. Man, there were crocodiles in that thing. The water at times could be very swift. And once Jochebed uh, placed her son in that basket of bulrushes and dropped him into the Nile River, it was totally out of her hands. She put him in the river of death. Yet what would seem to be a fearful time came to be one of the most peaceful times uh, that you see and read in the Word of God in such a, a graphic display of fear. There was no fear at all. She clearly knew that God would take that child that was in the basket, that was in the river of death, and would protect that child in only the way that God could do. It's called His sovereignty. As a matter of fact, when you look at Exodus chapter 2, there is no doubt, more than anything, you see the sovereignty of God. The events that unfold are nothing more than a beautiful picture of God's sovereignty, His watch care over everyone. Now, let me show you two things about this sovereignty. Number one, I want you to see, because of God's sovereignty, we see a compassionate discovery. A compassionate discovery. Do you see it in verse 5 and 6? Notice it with me, if you will. The Bible says, And the daughter of Pharaoh came down to wash herself at the river. And her maidens walked along the river's side, and when they saw her, when she saw the ark among the flags... She sent her maid to fetch it. And when she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the babe wept. And she had compassion on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. It just so happened, and by the way, I don't believe in coincidence. I believe in divine appointment. But here we find that it just so happened that after Moses was placed into the waters of the river of death that the daughter of the man who sought to kill every baby in the land came down to take a bath, and she notices a little basket, and she sends her maids to go get the little basket, and she opens it up, and there is that Hebrew boy. If anyone was aware of the national death warrant, certainly it would have been the daughter of the man that gave it. Yet we do not see her with a heart of cruelty now, do we? No, we see her with a heart of compassion. She immediately makes a connection with this baby. Why? Well, I I can't help but believe that it was because the sovereign, providential hand of Almighty God. He guarded that little basket. He guided that little basket. He graced that little basket in carrying Israel's future leader. Someone once said that providence is the hand of God slipped into the glove of history. I don't know about you, but I can look over the course of my life and I can see where God's unseen hand was leading and guiding and directing my steps through the good, through the bad, and through the ugly. Oh, listen, there's several 
times when God slipped in his providential hand and said, listen, I'm going to take care of this. It was happened. It happened the day that I was born. And little did I know that 44 years later, I would stand up in Maysville, Georgia on a stage where B-Shock was going to be singing and rapping and praising God and doing great things. And I was able to get up there and share my testimony how a 15-year-old girl gave birth to a little boy and raised that little boy. When I gave that invitation, praise be unto God, 15 souls got saved. I walked off the stage, and as I was walking off the stage, a woman come running. She came running to me and stopped me and grabbed me. She said, can I talk to you just a minute? I said, yes, ma'am. She said, my daughter's sitting right over there on the ground, and I could see her. She was sitting there, had her hands in her, in her face. She said, your story is my story. I'm that girl's mama. That, that little girl came to me last week and said she's pregnant. And I told her the same thing your grandmama said. I said, we can carry you to the doctor and we can get rid of this child. We, 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 we can make it like this never happened. But she said, thanks be unto God. She took a stand, that little 15-year-old girl, and said, Mama, I just don't think I could kill this baby. I want to have this baby. I said, can I talk to your daughter, ma'am? She said, I wish you would. And I walked over there to that little girl. And when I got up there close to her, I just knelt down on the ground. And I said, what's your name? She told me her name. And I said, I want you to listen to me very carefully. That child that you have in your belly could quite possibly be the next pastor or evangelist that preaches the gospel across this land. You please stay faithful to God. And you raise that baby in church. You need to get in church. And you need to do great things. Oh, listen to me, friends. I'm telling you what, when it comes to God, He takes broken things and makes them beautiful. He can take a 15-year-old girl and a mistake that she might make, and that mistake might result in a baby. But I'm here to tell you, bless God, it's not the baby's fault. Praise be unto God, my mama had me. And thanks be unto God, the shame that she experiences now is the glory of God. When people give their heart and life to Jesus Christ, thank God for the birth of babies. We find a compassionate discovery. Let me show you something else. You see a complete recovery. There's a complete recovery here in the text. I don't know about you, if you've ever considered it or not, but Exodus chapter 2, the story of the birth of Moses, is probably one of the greatest episodes in the Bible concerning the sovereignty of God. This boy should have died. Just like other millions of babies uh, during those, those times and those Jewish boys. Uh, God slipped uh, into the glove of history and revealed, if you would, his hand and his heart. And we see that Pharaoh's daughter finds this basket and sends her made to get it. And thanks be unto God, in verse number 4, the Bible says this. And this little boy's sister stood afar, far off and went what would be done. That is to say that once Pharaoh's daughter finds the little boy Moses... Moses' sister steps on the scene, and she just simply says, Lotus verse 7, Shall I go call a nurse for the Hebrew woman, that she may nurse the child for thee? And Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Go. And the maid went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said unto her, Take this child away and nurse it for me, and I'll give, and I'll give thee wages. And the woman took the child and nursed it. Do you see the hand of God here? The hand of God moved in such a mighty way that this boy's recovery returned all the way back to, mother, to her mother. I'm telling you what, sometimes God will ask you to do crazy stuff. He'll ask you to do crazy things. 
Can you imagine God speaking truth into this mama's life and saying, I want you to take that baby. I want you to go down and get a bulrush. I want you to make a basket out of it. Put that baby in there. Send that baby down the river of death. I'm going to take care of that baby. I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to do it, but I'm going to just take care of that baby. And I, you just do that, and you just watch what I do. And that mother willingly trusts God. She gives herself to God. She turns to God. She trusts God. She does exactly what God says. And all of a sudden, I don't know how long it took. Maybe it was 10 minutes. Maybe it was 15 minutes. Maybe it was 30 minutes. Whatever it was, it was enough time for Jochebed to get back to the house. I wonder if she was sitting in that little rocking chair wondering, what in the world have I done? Oh, my stars. I know she didn't because she knew that God's sovereignty was going to take care of that baby. But there she is rocking, going, God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. God, I don't know when you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. God, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I know you're going to do it. And all of a sudden, the little girl comes busting in the door. Mama, 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 guess what? The Pharaoh's daughter, Scott Moses, she needs somebody to nurse it. She's had compassion on him. Won't you come? Listen, when God tells you to do something crazy, just obey God. Many years ago, I I got a phone call, and that phone call just simply said, Hey, preacher, uh, would you come over here to Discovery Baptist Church in Saskatchewan, Canada, and do a revival for us? I said, I'd be glad to do that. That'd be just fun. I'd, I'd like that. So we got there. As we got there and got ready for the revival, we were about to walk into the church, two skateboarders, two kids riding skateboards on the, uh, on the sidewalk. Uh, we'll come running by. We stopped them. Told them while we were there, asked if we could talk to them for a minute. Make a long story short, we won those two kids to Jesus. We thought, man, this is going to be a great revival. Man, we're going, we already had two saved before the service even started. Man, this is going to be good. And man, I, I was sitting, I was sitting in Austin, I was sitting about where you're sitting. They only had two sections of pews. This is a small church in a Discovery Baptist Church. That's just real small. And uh, preacher wasn't even there. Preacher, he's gone. He's on vacation or something. Here I am. Sitting there getting ready to preach. One of the deacons, the guys running it, says, uh, we got Shane Robertson from Lower States there. He's uh, going to come. He's going to speak to us today from the Word of God. We're excited to have him. But before he comes, we got some special music. Would you please welcome to the house Elvis Presley. And he motioned to, I'm telling you a true story. This, this happened. And the doors busted open, and a man come walking out in a white suit with the hair greased back, just like Elvis Presley, studded. I mean, you talk talking about lookalikes. He looked exactly like the young Elvis. And he took that phone and said, thank you. Thank you very much. And he got to singing all them old songs that Elvis would sing, you know, all those. Man, I thought, well, this is pretty good. That's going to be good. I, I can't wait to get up there and preach, Brian. I was excited about it. And he said, I got one more song that I'm going to sing before the preacher comes. Hit it. And they started that music, and it was that song, Swing Down Chariot Stop and Let Me Ride. Anybody ever heard that song? I'm going to tell you what, Elvis got so excited, he leaped off the stage. He ran and jumped up on the top pew and put his foot up there. And he said, swing down, chariot stopping, let me ride. I was sitting over there and I thought, dear God, would you please let the rapture happen right now? I am so ready to, I'm so ready to go home. I, look, I don't think, I, to this day, I don't think I've recovered from that. I'm a little bit, every time a door opens, I look over just to see if make sure. No, and I'm going to tell you what, if somebody walks in with sequence, I, I, I'm, just a little bit. That was crazy. I said, God, I know you called me to preach this at this revival. 
He said, did you know that after that, he gave an invitation. And during that invitation, one sweet little lady come forward. And she gave her heart and life to Jesus Christ. Boy, it'd be worth it all. It was worth it all. Even if Elvis left the building. We find here in this passage of Scripture, we see that there was a complete recovery. God not only brought Moses back to his mother, but we also see here in the text, we see that Moses' mother got paid for raising Moses. I'm going to tell you what, that's absolutely blessing upon blessing. And it all came down to this, a mama's faith in a sovereign God. I want to ask you this question in closing today. Have you turned your children over to God, Mom? I can ask fathers too. Dad, have you turned your children over to the Lord? Well, if you hadn't, today would be a great day to do so. Mother's Day is one of the largest days in the year in many churches. We have a lot of people that travel to go be with their children, but we also have children that travel to come be with their mom and dad. You say, well, I'm a little bit afraid. My child's here with me today. Oh, what greater... Thing to, it's Mama's Day, Mother's Day. Mothers, you can do whatever you want. Mama, why don't you step out? Why don't you give your child to the Lord? Let God do what He wants to do in that child's life. And let's pray that God, in His great sovereignty, would bring that child back to you. Many years ago, there was a man by the name of Howard uh, Cardale. And Howard was a notorious criminal. He started drinking when he was 12 years old. His mama went up to him one day and said, Son, I pray every night at 8 o'clock that you'll come back to Jesus. Many years later, Howard was in a really bad incident where he was with a gang. He pulled a gun on somebody. And he pulled the trigger. And when he pulled the trigger, the gun did not shoot. It was at exactly at 8 o'clock p.m. He ran home to his mother and said, Mama, were you praying for me? She said, right at 8 o'clock on the money. He said, Mom, I almost killed a man tonight. I looked at my watch and I saw that it was 8 o'clock. I come running home to tell you that I can't live this way anymore. She said, my only problem is I'm afraid that God cannot save me. That godly mama took her Bible and she turned to Isaiah chapter number 1 in verse number 18 that says this. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. And right there, Howard knelt down by his mama. And he prayed and asked Jesus to save his soul. God not only saved his soul that day, but God also moved in Howard's life to the capacity that he became an evangelist. Saw thousands and thousands of people come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. This is what he'd say at the end of every message. He says, until God calls me, I shall preach the same gospel that calls my sainted mother to pray for me. I'm telling you, watch the truth. There's a power in a praying mama. Mother, why don't you step out this morning? Give your son or daughter to the Lord. So, well, I've done that before. Well, it's okay to re-up. It's okay to re-up. I want to share this with you, and I'm done. The greatest thing you can do is you can live what you preach. Mamas, live what you preach. If you'll live what you preach, you'll be the greatest Bible, the greatest translation that your son or daughter will ever see. Let's bow for prayer. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you've never given your heart to Jesus. Maybe you're a mother that's here that's never prayed to receive Christ. Dear friend, why don't you do that this morning? Why don't you give your heart to Jesus? Why don't you quit playing games, stop being religious, 
and right now give your heart to Christ. So I'm not sure how to do that, preacher. Could I help you? From your heart to God's heart, why don't you say this something like this to the Lord? Why don't you say, Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. But I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And this morning I ask you to save me. Thank you for saving me. I will live for you. In Jesus' name.